You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on Test Cricket by Armchair Critics South Game. We're recording this episode on uh, 16th of February um, after witnessing a piece of cricketing history being uh, rewritten at uh, Kingsmead, Durban, South Africa. Um, so uh, keep listening to our podcast and also introduce this to your uh, cricket loving friends. Um, thank you so far you know, for all your support. You can find us on uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts or Spotify and other uh, podcasting platforms, whichever you use. Just look for uh, Armchair Cricket Podcast. You should be able to find us there quite easily. Um, wherever you listen to us, uh, do not forget to leave us you know, a five-star rating uh, and uh, share your comments or you know, share your thoughts in the comment section. Um, I would also like to wish, you know, uh, I, would, I would like to express our gratitude to Guerrilla Cricket South Africa radio commentary team and 1WSR radio network uh, in South Africa for giving us a nice boost on their broadcasting uh, platforms because they uh, played a part of our uh, episodes, one of our episodes uh, during a tea break uh, in, the, in the ongoing test match at uh, Durban. Uh, you can reach out to us uh, through email. Uh, our email address is armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at armchaircrickpod. You can find us active on Twitter during an ongoing match. Uh, you can join us there for a banter. Now, having said that, um, I have with me, like uh, always, Ajit, who is my uh, co-host. Hello, Ajit. How are you doing? Hello, Giri. I'm doing good. So, okay. as you rightly pointed out, some very yeah. interesting test match today to discuss for us. Yeah, yeah. But you must also be happy that uh, one of your heroes is celebrating his birthday. Ah, ah. Michael Holding, you mean? Yeah, the whispering death. Wow, indeed. So, I think we yeah. should wish Mr. Michael Holding a very happy 65th birthday. Yeah. And and also we have Wasim Jafar who's celebrating his 41st birthday today. Yeah. So, wishing Veteran. him as well. Indeed. Yeah, best wishes. Indeed. All right. So, I think uh, before we go go into the first test match, let's quickly look at the trivia question from last week. So the trivia question from last week uh, was who is the highest wicket taker in uh, cricket uh, 50 over world cups so far right mm-hmm. so the answer to this question uh, we didn't get any positive responses this week either the answer to this question is glen mcgrath the australian fast bowler who was quite uh, quite a phenomenon when it came when it come to world cup for australia right mm-hmm. so he's uh, taken 71 uh, wickets in a mere uh, 39 matches Right, so that's that's very good. After him is Murtaya Muralidharan who took 68 wickets. But uh, one, the most important thing that we can uh, sort of I think point out when it comes to Magra is uh, he was very instrumental. He was a he's a triple World Cup winner. He's a hat trick World Cup winner with Australia, right? 99, 2003, and 2007. Mm-hmm. And I think he was he played a very crucial part in each of those tournaments as far as the bowling of Australia goes. And I think he led their attack very admirably. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a very nice list when you look at this list that of all the people who have taken very high number of wickets in World Cups. You have Wasim Akram, you have uh, Vaas, you have Srinath, you have Donald. 
right? I mean, Imran Khan, all these form mm-hmm. the top 10. Shane Warnes, I think, rounds it off. So it's a, it's, a, it's a really a list of who's who when it comes to the best bowlers in their time. Therefore, uh, I think this this is also a good way of looking at uh, really good one-day performances from bowling perspective. And, you know, you sort of peak in the World Cup, be it football, be it cricket, be it any other sport. You sort of, when you peak in a world uh, championship, it really shows how good you are. You are able to perform at the highest level, at the highest stage. So, it's it's really good to see. And he sort of rightfully takes his place at the top of that list, Glenn McGrath. Right? Mm. All right, then. That was the question uh, and the answer. Uh, if you can wait until the end of this episode, uh, we will also give you another trivia question for next week. And we are always very keen to hear your thoughts, your comments, and also, you know, the answer to these questions. So far, we've not received any answers, but we would really like it if you take an attempt at answering the question. I know sometimes our questions I hear can be a bit tough, but we want to make it a bit interesting for both a cricketing connoisseur as well as somebody who's starting out in cricket. So sometimes we choose our question a little bit uh, you know that uh, that's a bit hard, but we are not. Uh, we are never saying anybody don't Google. So I don't mind, or we don't mind if you actually Google and get get an answer for us. It's not something that we uh, we we don't ask our listeners to do. It'll be great if you guessed it, or it'll be great if you already take it out of your uh, cricketing knowledge. But you can also learn about cricket or some interesting aspects of cricket this way. That is our goal, right? All right then. So Giri. Shall we quickly then get to the first test at Durban? Well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what a match! What a match! This is the uh, prime example of how uh, of how test cricket should be played. I think uh, this just shows the uh-huh. longest format of the game is still alive and kicking. I don't know if it was ever dead, but it just proves itself again to the world that unbelievable. I think this this uh, um, I I yeah I didn't say that I would eat my hat. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, in one of our previous episodes, but if I had said that, I would do that. Uh, I don't uh, gladly, think so. gladly, yeah. yeah. No, no, um, no. Well, I had put down South Africa, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Sri Lanka pretty badly. Uh, I have to say, I had uh, given them no chance after uh, their dismal performances in uh, Australia. I was expecting no less from them. Uh, but uh, wow, unbelievable. If you look at what happened at Durban, um, Kingsmead. Uh, I think they proved me wrong. They proved me wrong uh, in the most incredible way. I think that was a fantastic test match, like I said. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, we'll just run through the scores and then uh, we can sum, uh, you know, do a short summary and then uh, we can discuss uh, the more intricate details. Um, sure. So, Sri Lanka won the toss uh, at Durban, um, which, you know, like any other South African pitch, uh, pitch is pacey. But I think uh, we discussed this in our previous episode that this was expected to be a bit spin-friendly, even for a South African pitch. That was the expectation. And this is the home ground of uh, Hashim Amla as well as uh, Keshav Maharaj. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so these two guys were playing at their uh, home ground. So uh, Sri Lanka won the toss and then they elected to field first. Uh, South Africa... Um, yeah, the, the South Africa had a top-order collapse. So they lost their first three wickets for 17 runs. Um, Aidan Markram, Dean Elgar and Hashim Amla, all three of them got out cheaply. Um, and uh, it, and I think then uh, in walked uh, Temba Bauma and along with Faf Duplessis, the captain, uh, they put a, a steady partnership mm-hmm. for about 70 runs, 72 runs, I think, um, to stabilize the innings a little bit. Uh, but then uh, Bauma got out uh, mm-hmm. uh, when the score was 110. And um, <clears throat> uh, I think after that, um, 
Faf Duplessis and uh, Quinton de Kock, they put on a much needed uh, partnership. I think Faf Duplessis was in his 30s when he got out. But then Quinton de Kock, he played the quintessential uh, uh, counter-attacking innings that we have, uh, you know, um, that, that has been associated with him, that he's identified with uh, in the test cricket, in test cricket or one-day cricket. He's known for his counter-attacking uh, innings. And he played mm-hmm. one of those. He, played, he made 80 runs. And I think thanks to him, uh, along with some support uh, from Keshav Maharaj, uh, who scored 29, quick-fire 29, mm-hmm. uh, and also... You know, Dale Stein uh, uh, held his ground for a bit. Uh, so, with those uh, contributions, South Africa made it to 235. They were all out for 235 mm-hmm. inside of 60 overs. So that's if you count the number of overs, it's more like two sessions. Although uh-huh. you know, we can, uh, I think it stretched to beyond the these. Uh, I mean, it stretched to the third session as well. But um, <clears throat> uh, Sri Lanka began. Uh, uh, you know. Um, Sri Lanka began steadily, but they lost their first wicket at uh, 19. So, Thirimana got out um, to Stain. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he, he he was fishing outside off stump and then uh, he, go, he got caught behind. Um, he's an opening batsman. We expect more to him to from, from him, you know. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he got out very quickly. Uh, so, <clears throat> and um, uh, this guy, Fernando, came in at one round. Uh, Oshada Fernando, not uh, Vishwa, but Oshada Fernando. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, there were some starts there uh, in the middle order. Uh, Fernando scored 19, Mendis uh, scored 12 runs, and he got out to Philander. Um, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Karuna Ratna was, you know, was there on the other end uh, when uh, Fernando got out as well. Uh, I think he, Karuna Ratna, the captain himself, got out. For 30 runs, uh, and Sri Lanka were in the end. I think that, uh, by uh, I would say they they lost their way basically. Uh, and mm-hmm. apart from this guy Kushal Pereira, you know, uh, he's a, he modeled his batting on Sanat Jayasurya, and this yeah. guy played a counter-attacking innings. I think he uh, him and um, uh, Dhananjay Adesilva, both of them played. I think they 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 had a um, uh, you know, I think they had a good partnership, but not long enough uh, to make an impact. Uh, mm-hmm. But Kushal, you know, he was the guy left out towards the end. He had to play with the tail. Yeah. Uh, but surprisingly, the debutant, uh, Ambuldenia, I hope I got his name right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ambuldenia, he, he made a, uh, 20-odd runs. He made 24 runs uh, and supported uh, Kushal Pereira. And thanks to these guys, in the end, Sri Lanka made 191. I, I never thought they would make it that far, but... Uh, uh, in the end, you know, they, they made 191 runs. Mm-hmm. Um, so the lead was 44 runs. So Sri Lanka, uh, South Africa had a healthy lead of 44 runs. And on this pitch, you know, looking at the batting performances from both sides, mm-hmm. this was a good uh, uh, lead, I think, because, <clears throat> you know, with the bowling attack that South Africa had, they could always uh, um, score quick runs, uh, you know, put a lead of 400, 450. Mm-hmm. And then basically take uh, Sri Lanka down. You know, they, Sri Lanka would not have a chance to bounce back unless they really fought hard. But yeah. surprisingly, South Africa, you know, he, they were not so bad. They began well. Um, top order did not contribute uh, profusely. They, they, they were there w- with some starts, but they didn't capitalize uh, until uh, Faf Duplessis and again, Quinton de Kock, another counter-attacking innings. Those mm-hmm. two guys helped South Africa uh, reach... Uh, 
a good score. I think they they were, uh, if I'm not wrong, I think they for uh, when when Quinton de Kock got out, they were 191 for five. Uh, mm-hmm. So you add the you add to that 44 runs lead. That's about 235, 240 runs uh, uh-huh. lead they had by the time Quinton de Kock got out. Mm-hmm. And then um, um, I think uh, Faf plus he also had a small partnership with uh, Vernon Philander, who got out at yeah. uh, the score 251. Um, you know the sixth wicket falling at 251. Um, another eight runs were added. That's it. So mm-hmm. by 259, South Africa were bowled out. Indeed, unbelievably. I mean, they, they lost their last five wickets for just eight runs. Um, yeah. uh, and if you look at this in the context of the whole match, I think this made a huge difference. Huge difference, because yeah. they could have easily added another 50 or, or even 100 runs uh, mm-hmm. with two set batsmen like Quinton de Kock and Faf Du Plessis, also mm-hmm. with. Uh, all-rounders like uh, Philander and Maharaj is uh, also, you know, able to contribute with the bat. If they had mm. done, you know, if they had spent more time with the crease, I think they would have taken Sri Lanka out of the game. But Sri Lanka, you know, full credit to them, uh, especially Ambuldenia. Uh, mm-hmm. Ambuldenia, yeah, he got Pfeiffer on his debut in the second innings. So that's uh, well done to him. And then um, the other seamer, uh, Vishwa Fernando. Uh-huh. Uh, who reminds me a lot about uh, of Chaminda was <laughs> indeed that's <laughs> very a good similar one. in stature, um, also in action. So this guy got four wickets, um, and you know together they bowled South Africa out for 259 runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know the, we have to talk about Sri Lanka's second innings. I think that was uh, unbelievable. Sri Lanka had a very good opening partnership. They had a very steady partnership. Uh, both their opening batsmen got starts. They by 20 odd runs. Uh, when Thirimana got out uh, to uh, uh, this guy Rabada, yeah, he was the first guy to fall. Yeah, uh, the score was 42. Uh-huh. Uh, and when he got out, I think um, in the very next over, Karuna Ratna also got out to Philander. So they were 42-42 mm-hmm. down, and then in walked uh, uh, Mendes, and Mendes got out for a duck. So yeah. the uh, Sri Lanka were on the mat basically. They had lost their three wickets for 52 runs, uh, staring mm-hmm. at a target of 304. I forgot to mention that. So Sri Lanka had a target to chase, and that was 304 runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think uh, this Oshada Fernando, uh, you know, he at least he contributed a bit. He was there for a bit. Uh, he got 37 runs. But Kushal Pereira, uh, he was the guy who held their innings together. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to see that you know, what he did in the first innings. He, uh, I think, he was batting with a tail towards the end, and then he lost his patience and he tried to score runs quickly, and then he got he himself got out, so he couldn't extend his stay. But in this uh, second innings, uh, he spent a lot more time with the crease, and he mm-hmm. was very, very, uh, uh, you know, uh, careful in uh, playing balls outside the off stump, and also uh, he, he he was very decisive in his stroke play. Okay, if I can put it that way. Um, yeah. He was there uh, when Fernando got out, Dikwela walked in. You know, Sri Lanka happened to lose uh, wickets in quick succession. So when uh, Fernando got out, Dikwela walked in, Dikwela was also out almost immediately. And then in walked uh, Dhananjaya de Silva. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dhananjaya de Silva and Kushal Pereira showed earlier in the first innings that they could spend a bit of time at the uh, middle. Uh, on this occasion, Dhananjaya de Silva, I think he played a vital role in providing impetus uh, in mm-hmm. the middle order, I think he, uh, they basically uh, uh, held their ground for nearly 100 runs. I think they had a partnership of 96 runs. Mm-hmm. 
before Dhananjay Adesiva played a horrible sweep shot against uh, Maharaj. We'll talk about the reason why he did that, uh, Ajit. Yeah, uh, of course. And then uh, <laughs> uh, once that happened, Sri Lanka lost, lost their wickets again. Like uh, uh, Lakmal got out the very next ball and Ambuldenia got uh, an unplayable bouncer from uh, Dwan Olivier. Um, yeah. So they were down, you know, they were down. Uh, I think Rajita uh, also got out very quickly. So they were 226 for nine mm-hmm. with um, how many runs? 78 runs still required. Indeed. And uh, Kusal Pereira was, I think, on 70 odd runs, 70 or 80 runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happened is history. You know, they, they basically wrote, rewrote history books, these two guys. Mm-hmm. Fernando, of course, he played his part. He was there. Uh, he spent uh, more than an hour at the crease. Uh, mm-hmm. out in the middle, but he, he plays 27 deliveries for six runs. But more importantly, Kushal Pereira rotated strike beautifully. I think he chose when to attack, when to defend, and when to take a single. Uh, uh-huh. And he ended up scoring, uh, you know, a match-winning innings of 153 not out. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I never, I never uh, you know, envisaged this happening. I, I thought Sri Lanka were gone. But... Uh, <laughs> This guy played an unbelievable innings, and then I think uh, full credit to him uh, and full credit to Sri Lankan cricket team uh, for proving me wrong, uh, for uh, putting up such a magnificent fight and uh, winning the game, uh, winning the match uh, and taking a lead one of 1-0 in the series. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, man of the match was indeed Kusal Pereira, if there was any doubt. Mm-hmm. It could only be him. I think this was one of the best innings, test innings uh, fourth innings um, batting display ever. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. Uh, so 1-0 at the end of first match, first test match, and uh, a lot to look forward to in the second match. Indeed. So uh, you've summarized the whole uh, match very nicely. So before we go into the details of the, maybe also looking at some of the individual innings that, that are there. So some small stats, you know, First of all, you said you put Sri Lanka down, but I think we did it together in the last episode, right? But uh, if you look at it, uh, it's not a problem uh, because we were not entirely wrong up until about, uh, uh, I don't know, half half of the three and a half days, we were not really wrong, right? So, but in the end, what transpired after that was almost miraculous. So you already captured it because... Yeah. We were sort of thinking, uh, you know, this is going to go to script. To be frank with you, when the ninth wicket was dismissed, I took probably 10 more minutes of just looking at what was happening and what sort of uh, something was, whether it was going to be all over immediately. Then I went on with my chores, you know, for the rest of the day. Then I happened to look at it again uh, 45 minutes later and they were still playing. That's when I really got interested in it. And mm-hmm. I couldn't take my eyes off the action and also my ears off the radio commentary I was listening to for the last let's say half an hour of 45 minutes remaining right mm. so first of all um i don't think anybody needs to blame themselves or feel too bad about it uh, sri lanka were not really looking equipped to win this match or they were never even looking equipped to actually challenge south africa right. and it was sort of unfolding that way until the last let's say the last one quarter of the match i'll tell you i'll tell you why so you already captured it so if you were to look at some statistical highlights the other thing uh, you know, Vishwa Fernando took eight wickets in the match, four wickets in each innings. So that I think was a very good return for him on this wicket. And it's yeah. after all, you know, this is a wicket well known for spinners, actually. This is what you had already mentioned in the previous episode, one of the slower wickets in South Africa, yeah. right? But uh, it still bodes well that he, this guy is able to do good. You know, if you remember, 
they sort of surprised Australia a little with their fast bowling in the second test. So this was one of the guys that was inducted into the team when the entire fast bowling uh, lineup had to be changed for Sri Lanka, right, in the second test. So he did good in, on the first morning, right. So this guy has some talent and of course he also has some good skill and he's able to exploit uh, this new ball very well on a good helpful pitch. So this mm-hmm. is something to Sri Lanka can take forward. And also I think you pointed out rightly Oshada Fernando did a very good job. First innings he looked a bit uncomfortable but in the second innings he was starting to come into his own. So this guy Oshada Fernando is coming off an incredible run. If you look at his last few, um, let's say, months of cricket, this guy, this guy is come is coming off an incredible run, and out of nowhere, he's catapulted into the international team, right? So, if you were to, you know, go back to let's say fourth of January onwards, if you look at his first-class stats in the last four matches, you know, his scores are something like 50, 23, 65, 105, 109, 2, So. Uh, if you remember, I think we were discussing in one of the previous episodes, Sri Lanka in an attempt to try to get the pitch uh, a bit more pace-friendly, ordered that a bit bit more uh, grass be left on the wicket, but that made the wicket more firmer. And uh, right. the fast bowlers could not make advantage, the batsmen took advantage. So it became high-scoring matches, and this guy was one of the people who was able to reap the rewards. Right. As a result, he's in the team, and in the second innings, he sort of gave us a glimpse of what this person can be once he's a finished product at the highest mm-hmm. level. He was able to occupy the crease, still rotate the strike. This guy could be a long-term solution for Sri Lanka if he is able to bed down into this lineup. You know, there's there are many openings in this lineup, right? Mm-hmm. The, especially with Dinesh Chandimal also missing and Angela Matthews missing. This guy has thrown his hand into the ring. So these, these there are two major top-order batsmen missing. They're still able to you know compete very well, and this guy has really shown that. So some small positives for Sri Lanka. And then, of course, uh, Amboldenia. I think uh, there is a bit of confusion whether it's Amboldenia or Emboldenia. So, for now, we'll stick with Amboldenia. So, this guy took a 5-4 in the second innings. So, you know, uh, he, he has a very very relaxed run-up, let me put it like this. Mm-hmm. He, he appears like a regular club bowler that I play against or play with on a normal basis. But I think when you look at his bowling areas, that stands out. I was looking at his lengths and his lines. He was he was able to get the right length on this pitch in the second innings, right? In the first innings, he hardly bowled ten overs, but in the second innings, he actually showed uh, that he has the skill, he has the sort of thinking brain that is required for Test match cricket. So that was very nice to see, and he took a five four. So and also he bowled twenty six overs and just considered sixty six runs and took a five four. So I think there's a very nice article that uh, you know Fidel Fernando Andrew Fidel Fernando has written in which he says this guy has come and occupied an empty house. The house that was vacated by a certain banker or a yeah. bank clerk, right? Herat. So he's taken the, or he can be one of the long-term prospects. He may have sort of leapfrogged people like Malinda Pushpakumara and other people who are sort of in the queue to uh, replace, um, you know, Herat. If you remember in one of our previous episodes, we were sort of saying between Dilruvan Pereira and uh, uh, Lakshan Sandakan and maybe Malinda Pushpakumara, they have a good spinning trio when they play at home. Mm-hmm. Now this guy also comes into the picture. I think he did a really good job. So mm-hmm. some some other nice, you know, uh, gains for Sri Lanka from this test. Also, I think uh, what you said, Sri Lanka really made a good comeback in the last quarter of this match, and that started when they first of all dismissed South Africa from, as you say, you know, uh, five for two fifty one to uh, two fifty nine. So in a matter of eight runs, South Africa were dismissed, and that was probably the turning point, or that's where the match started turning. Right, mm-hmm. but then it's still going to script if you're a South Africa supporter. Yeah. And 
you've already captured very nicely both the openers got to start but they couldn't go on right and then yeah. usually karuna ratna the captain and also mendes right kusal mendes these both are very good in the second innings and i was expecting one of them will stand up and sort of get counted and try to show that you know kusal mendes has played quite a few rare guard knocks even as uh, as uh, latest last late last year he played a knock with for um, angelo matthews right to sort of mm-hmm. uh, take sri lanka to a draw right so yeah. with all this in mind when they were all gone and the score was still only 52 you thought oh god they're in trouble right and then it it slowly became 410 with washada fernando got out and 510 when the colors dispersed you sort of saw the writing on the wall so until then we were still right sort of in our predictions then the script starts turning right as i say perera along with uh, de silva i think de silva is sort of uh, may turn his uh, spot in the top order back he's purposely held back and played behind dikwella because dikwella is a bit more attacking normally you would think with perera being an attacking option you would probably promote de silva to play with perera and keep dikwella uh, to play with the tail you know but because this is a there are still many runs left probably sri lankan management chose to promote dikwella and see if he could score, you know score a quick fire 50 or 60 and try to put more pressure pressure on south africa but that didn't happen then the script you know as i said started turning and i think dhananjay de silva played a very rash shot so you already said we'll discuss it so it was i think uh, it was a thought out decision or a thought out dismissal by south africans they did it well so mm-hmm. this brings us to two points one is how he was dismissed and uh, who was the bowler who dismissed him so the bowler who dismissed him was kesham maharaj but uh, do you think kesham maharaj bowled enough in the second innings or did he bowl enough at that stage do you think giri um i think there are two points we have to look at here in the first innings he bowled only three overs and south africa themselves bowled uh, 59.4 overs so almost 60 overs so he uh-huh. bowled just three overs out of that okay and maybe that's that's okay because it's still the first day uh, or second day pitch and there is not enough turn on offer exactly he went for 16 runs so that's fine mm-hmm. in the second innings uh, south africa bowled all in all i think 85 and bit overs so almost 86 overs mm-hmm. uh, out of which keshav maharaj bowled 20 overs yeah so the remaining uh, 66 overs were shared between the quickies you know the the fast bowlers mm-hmm. um so vernon philander uh, was out of commission because of an injury so he didn't bowl i think uh, in the session after lunch so in the second session he was basically exactly. non existent yeah uh, so they had to share bowling uh, the three quick bowlers uh, stain uh, uh, duan olivier and then uh, rabada these three had to share the bowling mm-hmm. and then um, finally keshav maharaj was brought in uh, i think maybe as a last resort uh that was only for a second spell i think the first spell did not yield any wicket so he was brought in for a second spell mm-hmm. uh, or a subsequent spell i don't know if it's second or third maybe there was yeah. a short uh, one or two over burst before the lunch break uh, i i didn't i don't recollect that but um so when when he was brought in i think they were kind of desperate to find a way to break this partnership they had 90 odd runs partnership uh, between uh, kusal perera and uh, uh, de silva so mm-hmm. they had to do something there uh, and 20 overs in the in this context out of 86 overs i think it's a little, little less maybe the quick bowlers needed a break mm-hmm. and maybe they could have rotated you know like you, i think you mentioned this offline that uh, uh, keshav maharaj bowled from one end while uh, another quick bowler you know be it rabada or stain or uh, olivier mm-hmm. they rotated basically amongst themselves this gun, this end was fixed fixed and he wouldn't allow them to score runs or anything bowl tightly like jadeja jadeja for example exactly exactly so um, so i think maybe faf duplessis kind of took it for granted 
that they were going to get uh, their wickets any you know they they thought they had enough runs on board maybe they had uh, maybe they didn't execute their plans well enough although you know de silva got out and then there was three other wickets which fell after him but mm-hmm. did he take it too lightly what do you think he may have you know uh, we discuss about this when we talk about certain indian captains right mm. because we we come from a slowish pitches or slowish pitch when we play at home in india they are not good captains of fast bowlers mm. one of the things that led to india losing the series in england was not just that the indian batsman let the indian team down but also that as a captain you're still not sure of how to use your resources you see you have fast bowlers in the team but you're not used to captaining them in your own conditions right right that could be a problem so maybe fafdi plus is facing the same problem when it's turned around so he's so used to you know captaining fast mm-hmm. bowlers he knows the sort of fields the sort of thinking and when to introduce the fast bowlers he doesn't have to think too much but on the other hand when it comes to spinners this is a skill that he needs to learn as a skipper right mm. as you said you know you as a skipper you would probably the moment vernon fielder hobbled off uh, this guy was used to be the guy who used to hold one end up right so that the other guys could mm. get wickets so the moment he's not there then you would naturally turn to a spinner so this was a very you know a good point you brought up because uh, at when dhananjay disilva was dismissed i think keshav maharaj sort of proved a point when he took two wickets in two balls as you said Tanendra De Silva was also thought out because they sort of it was a classic spinners dismissal where you bring a deep fielder in they brought mid wicket in and they allowed Tanendra De Silva who was on 48 to see a gap where he could get a 50 easily right and then mm-hmm. he drifted one in nicely which he missed and he was plump right yeah. he was initially given not out but then i think uh, alimdar was having a little bit of a uh, i think they had a bad uh, match this uh, the, the umpires had right. a bad match this one uh, <laughs> we can also discuss this at the end there's yeah. a nice yeah, point yeah, yeah. Right? sure sure so yeah. uh the point is in this case he was dismissed but then next ball you saw that uh, earlier in the over he had already shown that the ball was gripping and turning off the rough for the left hander right kusal perera mm-hmm. so if if he was bowling continuously maybe as you say the moment uh, he he held one end up yeah, one end up or he bowled one end continuously for the most of the middle session i think south africa would have wrapped the match up yeah right kusal pera would have been dismissed probably caught at point or caught in the deep trying to go for an adventurous shot when he saw the ball do too much he was really not su- subjected to that but you know uh, that's one angle of it so south africa not using their spinner well uh, in the end when you have four or five full bowlers bowling 20 overs is doesn't look bad in the end but then the times when he bowled or when he didn't bowl more importantly was probably very costly for south africa yeah. Right? Yeah. this is a good point you made the other point Uh, is that i think fast plus he sort of lost the plot a little right mm. so the moment nine wickets were down and there were still 78 runs left south africa i think relaxed a little in their mind they knew it was going to be over right we all do this it 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 tends to happen on the cricketing field when you know guy one more one more wicket he's out he's out but the point is they never gave up and that's where i would like to give a lot of credit to kusal pereira i think he kept that attacking mindset going in the initial few overs he sort of uh, took singles earlier in the over even for fast mm. bowlers then he realized maybe fernando may not last too many balls so he then changed his game so that he would give only one or two balls to fernando right so if you look at the partnership of 78 fernando only scored six and there were a couple of buys as well i think there were mm-hmm. some extras so if you can imagine uh, i think this guy by himself scored 65 plus runs in that partnership yeah that's classic test match batting especially under pressure while chasing a big target that's that's like genius level stuff for me right and also he never lost his attacking instincts he kept attacking 
So when he saw a ball that was in his half, I think there were these two classic flicks that went to six uh, in the deep square leg boundary of Stein, I think. I think we were discussing mm-hmm. this offline, mm-hmm. remember? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was a good example. Even the winning shot, what he hit, that was such a, that's a that, that showed his cricketing awareness. You know, there are four runs required. And you see, because you have a very strong cut, probably the uh, third man fielder is a bit squarer than normal. Then this guy just glides one past slip. There's a slip, but he's still very clever to glide it. It's a one-day shot. Something maybe half the plus he did not even anticipate, you know, and he gets a four and the match is finished, right? Uh, He really deserves a lot of kudos. I don't know if you are following Giri, the number of body blows he took and the number of injuries he had to go through. Yeah, I remember that. I think he had one on his uh, hand. I I almost thought he broke his wrist, basically, Uh because he was writhing in pain. He was really down and then (laughs) gave him some, uh, you know, that magic spray and some painkillers and then he was back on his feet. And I think that... it was very gritty. I liked that very much in him, mm-hmm. uh, that character. Yeah. I think he was also hit on the head once. So yeah, on the back. He, he took a couple on the body. So, if you look at all that, I mean, this innings, I think I think you tweeted rightly later uh, after the match that this innings was probably worth three times what Sanjay Siria scored, you know, 340. Even more, I think. Even more, on that I think. highway. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, I think, what did you call it? Runway highway. Runway, yeah. <laughs> it, it was that. In that 900 that Sri Lanka scored, 952, I think it was pretty much a highway. Because yeah. if you remember, uh, neither of the team really completed their innings. They both had declared and there were more than 1,400 runs scored. Yeah, India had 500 and yeah. then uh, Sri Lanka had 900. <laughs> so, I would rather any day take a test match like this that ends in four yeah. days. But so much, so much of, uh, you know, interesting things going on. Right? Yeah. This is one thing. The other thing, you know, if I were to just look at his career a little bit, this Kusal Pereira is indeed, he takes, uh, you know, mimicking Jaisuria to a next level. Uh, yeah. did, did you know he was a right-hander until the age group yeah, of I them? Know. Yeah, I Man, read this somewhere. Yeah. How do you do that? You know, <laughs> one, one is you switch like Saurav Ganguly when you are much younger. And then you sort of mm. sort of grow into the age group cricket as a right a left-hander. But this, like you're at 13, sort of when all your technique is nearly sort of grooved. Yeah. You switch over, how do you do that? I, I can't imagine that. You know, uh, playing gully cricket, we used to sometimes just turn around and bat. You know, yeah. it's a very done thing. I used to find it difficult because I used to not be able to keep the ball down, what I'm able to do very easily while playing right-handed. But this guy, he's, he has all the strokes. He doesn't look like he was a converted south. You know what? You know what? Uh, maybe he's ambidextrous without maybe. him knowing about it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Maybe he is. Uh, you know, you could you could very much have hit. He's a keeper, right? He's also a yeah. keeper. Yeah. So another another team, another test team. If you look at it very carefully, they have three keepers playing, <laughs> right? We yeah, did mention yeah. this. So, but Mendes keeps. Kusal Mendes, Kusal Pereira keeps, and of course, Rikwala is the keeper. So, another team with three keepers. Yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. is the fashion going forward. But uh, anyway, getting back to this test, uh, this was, this was, this, this will, this innings will remain in my uh, consciousness for a very long time. Right? I think, uh, as somebody mentioned on Twitter, I think I had to have a lie down after the match. It was so exciting. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know uh, what? One, one more thing I want to mention. Another match which uh, remains in my memory. Uh, for about 20 years now. Uh-huh. Uh, Barbados. You remember Barbados? Which West Indies of... against Australia? Ah, Lara. Lara and Walsh. Oh, God. Completing God, God. a one-wicket victory again. Man. That was one of the record. I think that was uh, one of the best fourth innings. I, I don't recollect watching it on television, but I do remember reading it in the newspaper. You know, back in those days, I didn't have, I didn't have a chance to watch all these matches on li- uh, live. Uh, but, funnily enough, Mm-hmm. Uh, Kushal Pereira's final score, what was it in the second innings? 
Well done. I was about to go there myself. Yeah. 153. Brian Charles Lara also scored 153 not out at the end of that match. Good, good one, man. Coincidence. One. <laughs> Or not, apparently. So, uh, very good. Very good point you picked up there. But, excellent. So, again, you know, these are the sort of days, if as a test fan, you would live for, literally. Yeah. Right? If you remember that uh, uh, block that I think Monty Panesar and Jimmy Anderson, I think in, where was it? In Rose Bowl, I think. Where they denied Australia in the last 20 minutes to get a draw so that mm-hmm. England could sort of go on and take the victory. in the series yeah. ashes right that one or that 2005 uh, ashes where with yeah. the, only a couple of balls remaining kasprovics was dismissed caught behind oh that was agonizing right? i still remember that right? unbelievable mm-hmm. for that matter or if you remember uh, lakshman's victory where he took india home with the last man company oja mm-hmm. i think uh, one of the only times in his career where you saw a bit of emotion on lakshman on field yeah, you know yeah, yeah. they were shouting at oja what are you doing when he was almost <laughs> run out but <laughs> <laughs> runner and right so did, did, did you have you know did you also had some more uh, matches that you had listed on earlier do you uh-huh. want to highlight some of them because i think it's a very good occasion to uh, you mean uh, the one some of them victories yeah one wicket victories yeah some of the more recent ones or some of the more famous I think, ones uh, there is a fantastic uh, article on cricket info right where they highlight five fantastic matches like this Mm. uh where you had uh, this is this this would make a good reading right so they point out five <clears throat> real thrillers every every one wicket victory is definitely a thriller but i think so far there are uh, 13 such instances so mm-hmm. of one wicket victory being pulled off the first ever instance was in 1902 when england did it against australia at mm-hmm. the oval and the latest is today right yeah um but um if you look at this uh, pakistan have done it twice West Indies have done it twice. India has done it only once, which we just spoke. Mm-hmm. And um, also, um, New Zealand have done it once. England have done it three times, interestingly. But all the three times were, the last of this was in 1920s. They have never done it since. So, right. some interesting things. So, as you pointed out, that match where, uh, um, you know, Lara scored 153 to take, that was a two-all draw that between Australia and uh, West Indies, that series. Yeah. That was a very good one. and then if you remember pakistan uh, sort of denying bangladesh wow. and inzi right yeah exactly <laughs> one of those again very sedate very sort of uh, very calm person sort of showing a lot of emotion after the victory i remember watching that match live actually right? at oh, least God. the last uh, fag end of it and i remember some of the bangladeshi players in tears because yeah, they had yeah, never absolutely. had a test match victory yet and that's yeah i think they 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 almost had it i think uh, in exactly. stole it from right under their noses basically right and <laughs> and the other match uh, which pakistan won where you know with four runs remaining inji stepped out of the crease and missed the ball entirely and so did healy it was one ball <sighs> and the ball went away to bice four bice and one can you believe that wow those, those are real heart stopping moments right again yeah. in this match if you were to come back here you know there was one such heart stopping moment with i think seven or eight runs required right and yeah. one of the last balls of the over that was being bowled by stein or rabada if i don't uh, uh, i think it was stein it was stein it is stein you're yeah. right yeah. so if you remember that was one of the last chances south africa had they had gone completely cold they had gone they had run out of ideas how to stop this guy because you can't keep an in out field because he scores around the around the yeah. pitch right yeah. and he's very strong off the on square on both sides yeah what sort of surprised me were south african bowlers kept bowling short or kept bowling wide but before we go there just to recap what happened here with seven or eight runs left 
this guy sort of tries to um, edge fernando on strike right vishwa fernando yeah. so vishwa fernando bats right if i'm not wrong so he heads he even though he bowls left he bats right and he tried to uh, i think uh, avoid one and i think he almost edged one to slip <laughs> where dean elgar stops it and sort of still on the ground and fast to plessy picks up the ball when he tries to throw the stumps down you see that uh, pereira has run he's yeah. trying to get fernando to uh, get to the other side yeah. and sort of sold him down the river right this was one of those <laughs> one second instances where i think fast uh, to place shouted to stein to let the ball go rather yeah. than giving it to stein because it was a clear dismissal because that guy was stein was still ahead of fernando who was coming to try yeah. to reach the non striker zone yeah. it was a clear dismissal and sort of stein was not ready he was not completed his he, he was, was not in his follow through yeah exactly that that, that was a really uh, really unfortunate thing if you were to look at one of those things where we said what happened right uh, and yeah and then this uh, th- there was overthrows basically four more runs it, uh-huh. the ball went to the boundary oh yeah and it got they got five runs in the end yeah so probably prior to that prior to that you know one more thing i want to mention prior to that quinton de kock had uh-huh. uh, taken off his uh, keeper gloves you know wicket keeping gloves from his right hand because he was waiting you know for a bye for them to run mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he was ready for that but anyway this was an edge and then he went to uh, slip uh, the slips uh, they got five runs little bit of a presence of mind that can probably be the difference between a victory and a loss yeah. it would have broken south african hearts it did break south african hearts it could have broken <laughs> sri lankan hearts but you know this is the sort of presence of mind or one small thing you know uh, additional kudos always to the batsman who's scoring uh, we were discussing lengths right south africa sort of ran out of ideas when it came to lengths and i think rabada also and stein did not know where to bowl to this guy if you bowled a little bit in his in his space he would flick you or hit you hit you in the air in a one day or a t20 mode right yeah, let's not forget kusal pereira for a short point in time held the fastest odi 50 record and he's really? very prolific okay. t20s so they are sort of they are aware of that and he sort of showed it multiple times through this innings when he cut hard for fours or flicked hard for sixes right so they are sort of they are completely unaware of where to bowl that took me by surprise because somebody with stein's experience right you would know so there is no there are just not two two lengths on the good cricket pitch so one is there are still yorkers that's fine but you don't have to bowl short because you can right but mm-hmm. what surprised me was the line that they continue to bowl mm-hmm. that is that is that was really surprising and i think they played it to kusal pereira's hands there yeah 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 he plays so good square of the wicket i mean i think you make a good point we can go on and on i could go wax lyrical about kusal <laughs> pereira's innings or you could but i think we should quickly wrap this up one small thing to point out in the end Vishwa Fernando has a first class average of 7 right mm. so <laughs> special kudos he might be of of a category of chris martin or courtney walsh this sort of a batsman or a shannon gabriel sort of a batsman mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, with almost no qualms one of those last vestiges of old old school cricket where he can't bat much so special special mention to this right when it comes to how kusal pereira handled it and you know before we completely go out of this test match discussing this so I think uh, we have to also say that, as you say, umpires had a shocker of a dis- uh, test match, right? Yeah. I think uh, Alimdar looked really out of sorts, and both both umpires looked really out of sorts. I don't know what is going on. Did you <laughs> see any of this? Uh, no, I mean, uh, the, the, I don't know. I mean, I think they were not in their uh, best form. Let me put Possibly. it that way. Maybe they were tired as well. Mm-hmm. Because no, uh, the one. Yeah, go on. 
No, sorry. The the one which uh, Dhananjay Adisilva got out to. When I saw it live on television, I immediately knew it was plum. It was going to hit leg stump. Exactly. But Alim Dar gave it not out. I was wondering why is this guy not, uh, you know, uh, giving him out. And then thankfully South Africa appealed. And uh-huh. surprisingly, uh, I think in the first innings, so that uh, Sri Lankan first innings, uh, Karuna Ratna was out LBW. If I'm not Precisely. wrong. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. And then uh, he was given out by Alim Dar again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did not review this, and as soon as he walked back to the dressing room, his uh, staff suggested, you know, uh, backroom staff suggested he should have reviewed it because it was clearly missing the stumps. I think it was Fernando. It was Fernando. Shadow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Because I remember mm-hmm. tweeting. Uh, I also said uh, his captain was culpable because he was captain of the non-striker. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Usually, your non-striker's input is the most important one when you are reviewing an LBW. You wouldn't yeah. know it at all times. Sometimes you would, when it's a dead plumb. Otherwise, yeah. you you would always look at the other guy and say, "Hey, what man?" So that was a weird one. But you're right. The umpire that gave him out was Alim Dar. Yeah. Uh, you know, umpires also have a bad test here and there. But it again highlights how how important the role is, right? What if South Africa yeah. did not have a review at that stage? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Sri Lanka would have lost easily. We, we wouldn't know. Maybe Alim Dar, you know, is a part of the bigger picture where we don't understand how the universe works, and you know, this led to all that. Uh-huh. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That was a good uh, discussion, Kiri. That was indeed quite a nice test, and I think we rightly pointed out quite a lot of good things. And I think we can go on, but in the interest of time, let's go one or two uh, steps further. Right? Yeah. So let me see. I think uh, New Zealand and Bangladesh are playing a ODI series currently, and there are, there have been two one dayers since our last episode. So there was mm-hmm. the first one day on thirteenth uh, of February in Napier, and the second one was on sixteenth of February in Christchurch. But you can see both these tests uh, or both these one dayers have sort of followed a very similar pattern of what happened. So if you look at the first one day, it was a day night in Napier, and Bangladesh won the toss and chose to bat first. They scored yeah. 32, and then so um, New Zealand chased it on very comfortably, right? So if you look at the scorecard, just to quickly summarize, I think uh, <clears throat> they were still not ready or they were still not in their own minds. sort of ready to uh, combat these conditions which are completely different and alien as far as they are concerned right bangladesh mm-hmm. so they first of all uh, you know somya sarkar had a good start he was 30 of 22 but he couldn't carry on the openers were dismissed easily and then mohammad mithun scored a fighting 62 and he was supported very well by everybody in the team mohammadullah and sabir rahman though are full batsmen could only make 13 but uh, mehdi hasan miraz scored 26 and mohammad saifuddin who also is a you know is a all-rounder he scored 41 and they were able to take bangladesh to 232 but on that pitch and against in the prevailing conditions that was not much of a total at all so new zealand bowled really well they are giving matt henry a go in the series by the looks of it so he took two wickets here Tenbolt took three, and uh, Santner took three, and Lockie Ferguson took two. So they were sort of shared the wickets very nicely among each other. And yeah. when it came to their turn to bat, Matt Guptill sort of finished the match by himself. He scored 117 at run a ball, right? And Henry Nichols scored 53 as well. So by the time the first wicket partnership was done, 100 they had added, the match was sort of beyond beyond any doubt who would win. Only thing was uh, Kane Williamson did not score much and. Uh, Uh, Rostilla kept in company, kept couple company, and they finished the match off. When you look at the second uh, second one day international, it's very similar. The only difference is New Zealand won the toss and chose to bowl, and this time it's at Christchurch, and very similar. The openers fail. Soumya Sarkar makes a promising beginning. He scored 22, but then he can't capitalize. Only difference, Mushfiqur Rahim had a 24 run innings. Again, Mohammad Nitin scores a 50, and then again he supported all the way down the order. Right? Again, Mohammadullah fails, but in this case, Sabir Rahman made a 43. 
he was one of the last batsmen recognized by him going and i think a few good blows by mashrafi murtaza and uh, you know mustafiz Mustafa rahman hung around they had uh, they had they, they think they were nine down by already um, the uh, 45th over or so and they were in trouble there and they somehow managed to get through and finish get into the 50th over but then 226 was not going to challenge new zealand again so again martin guptill scored a run a ball but uh, much better than a run a ball 118 in this case it was almost t20 like he had a strike rate of 135 right and kane williamson came good this time henry nichols failed and new zealand wrapped up the match very comfortably so there were two man of the matches for martin guptill i think he's very happy with his world cup preparations right mm-hmm. and the next uh, odi um, we'll have to see if bangladesh are able to make a comeback because if when you look at uh, how they have been performing so far it really looks they look like fish out of water in those conditions right so they have um, one more odi where they can do something and after that they have two test ma- they have a three test match series so uh, as far as their preparations go for the world cup i think they have to be a bit more careful you know mashafi murtaza i think was good with the ball but there was not not, not much else to write home about i think the last episode we were discussing and i couldn't recollect the name it was taskeen ahmed fast bowler mm-hmm. who missed out yeah. i think they are missing him here in this pitch he brings that pace and that raw energy i think they are missing him but overall i think bangladesh needs to step up their game a little first of all they need to be able to put up a total if they bat first if not bangladesh new zealand would chase it down easily right that was just a quick summary of what happened in uh, new zealand if you were mm-hmm. to go quickly to onwards I think uh, let's quickly look at uh, Irani Trophy, Kiri. Would you like to take us through that? Yeah, we'll do a quick summary. We can go through the details after that. So, uh, rest of India played Vidarbha, uh, against Vidarbha at Nagpur. So, Vidarbha's mm-hmm. home ground mm-hmm. for this Irani Cup, as it's called now. I don't know if it's Irani Trophy or Irani Cup. I think it's well, Irani Cup. Well, call it now. what you will. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, rest of India won the toss and then decided to bat first. Uh, they made 330 runs in their first innings. Thanks to a century by uh, Haruma Vihari, uh, mm-hmm. the India Test uh, player. Mm-hmm. And uh, along with him, uh, Mayank Agarwal, the other Indian opener, uh, he missed out on a century. He, played, he made 95. Uh-huh. Um, apart from them, we also had uh, guys like Rahane and Shreya Sayar and uh, Ishan Kishan, keeper. Uh, mm-hmm. But these guys did not contribute a lot. So they were allowed for 330 runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarvate was in amongst the wickets. Uh, the guy who won their uh, you know ranchi trophy basically was one of the key players mm-hmm. uh, he got three wickets wakare got three wickets uh, and gurbani the seamer i think he got two wickets yeah uh, to, to basically uh, it was it was a good score 330 runs in their first innings not bad vidarbha came back uh, i think their first innings was far better than rest of india rest of india's uh, innings um, they carnever uh, I had a century. He made 102 runs, uh, mm-hmm. supported by Vardkar. Uh, what's his first name? I don't know his first. Akshay Vardkar. Akshay Vardkar. Akshay Vardkar. Um, and uh, um, Sanjay and Ganesh Satis, the former uh, Karnataka batsman. All these guys contributed. Uh, mm-hmm. Only Ganesh Satis is missing out on a 50. Other guys uh, made 50 at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they made a 425 runs. So they basically had a lead at the end mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. so what's the lead then so it's close to 100 runs 95, 95 runs, runs. Yeah, yeah 95 runs so that's a very sizable lead yeah um and when uh, rest of india came out to bat um i think they yeah they they, they had a good batting performance second time round 
they made 374 runs for three and they declared the innings um they put up such a good score thanks to uh, rahane who made 87 runs uh, it was more i would say pedestrian i think he had a very slow strike strike rate so he just occupied this crease while mm-hmm. um, uh, guys like uh, hanuma vihari uh, batted yeah. around him hanuma vihari made another century in the sex, uh, second innings uh-huh. unbeaten 180 runs so he scored a century in each innings amazing mm-hmm. well done to him Yes. Um and Shreyas Iyer made a 50 they made three, like I said 374 runs for three declared We're setting uh, Vidarbha a target target of 280 runs um, mm-hmm. on the final day final day and also a little bit in the uh, fourth uh, day I think yeah um and Vidarbha because they already had a first inning lead so they only had to make sure that they didn't lose this match right even if they were it was a draw they would still get their hands on uh, Iran Cup well they would still have their hands on the Iran Cup because they are the defending champions mm-hmm. um um so i'm just looking at notable performances again ganesh satish uh, very consistent he made 87 runs devils number mm-hmm. um uh, yeah we're australian yeah we're australian yeah <laughs> and atharva taide he made uh, 72 runs um so they they ended up with 265 runs with uh, ganesh satish the last man to get out mm-hmm. uh, to hanuma vihari yeah. and when he got out the score was 269 for 5 uh, they didn't have much to play after that i think they, both the teams agreed that their game was done it was enough uh, they called it off there was a draw in the end mm-hmm. um, and uh, vidarbha were the champions again uh, defending champions of uh, the irani cup so well done to vidarbha that okay. was in a nutshell um, yeah that's it man no, of the match uh, yeah man of the match sorry man of the match was our player of the match was akshay kanewar karnewar aha yeah not uh, hanuma vihari interesting yeah but i think rightfully that so i'll tell you so you actually captured the match completely and very nicely just a couple of statistical highlights as you said hanuma vihari 200s in a irani trophy right and uh, he was he played more than 500 balls in the match so it was very unfortunate he landed up on the losing side yeah but another thing it was very strange to see rahane trying to get some semblance of form because uh, i think we can slide into the other topic coming up which is uh, the indian selectors and what they have in mind right rahane was one of the names thrown around as also an option for going to the world cup right they have not mm. completely given up on him when it comes to one dayers which was a bit weird but in this match um I think I would like to give a lot of kudos to Vidarbha because they showed that a team that it doesn't have many stars but this rest of India is full of stars right but it doesn't matter a team that's gelling well and playing well it's like when Australia defeated the world uh, 11s that was straight and played yeah. them earlier right just like that uh, I think Karnevar was the right uh, man of the match choice because Uh, there was a lot of sting in uh, Vidarbha's tail so if you look at the last 5 to 6 batsmen they have added more than uh, 70% of the score or uh, nearly 70% of the score in the first innings that was so mm-hmm. crucial uh, without which the match was over right then and there right 330 was already big enough the 95 run lead was the main thing which slowed rest of india down enough that uh, they, these guys could get away with a draw in the end and they almost made a victory target or they nearly made a uh, chance to win it but that that that's beside the point so i think you captured most of the things very well and one other small thing i think um, the rest of india lost uh, the bowling services of uh, gautam who had bowled really well in the first innings as well and when they lost him sort of i think it made a bit of a difference to the way they bowled and they sort of ran out of ideas 
So yeah. he could only bowl 20 overs in the match, but he took uh, four wickets in that period, and I think their loss, his loss, really made a difference. So uh, another small statistical highlight, I think uh, Vidarbha, the third team to be able to retain Ranji and uh, Irani Cup, because um, that is retain it in two consecutive seasons. So do a double, a domestic uh, first class double of India, which is uh, Ranji and Irani together twice. So they are able to do it twice in a row. And two, only two other teams were able to do it. One is Mumbai multiple times in Karnataka, 2013-2014. I think they did it twice, where they won it and they defended it. So, Vidarbha is only the second team to do this. So, their stature as a first-class team is really growing with every performance, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. coming uh, And they played without their stalwart. Huh? There was no um, Jaffer in this match for Vidarbha. Mm-hmm. And they are still able to really put together a really good performance and take the Rani Cup. So, really, kudos to them. So, if you were to go on and look at the other topic, uh, the one-day the one-day team for India has been announced that plays Australia, right? So, yeah. uh, any comments on that? Did you see the team? Um, yeah, interestingly, Dinesh Karthik has been left out because he's primarily seen as a T20 specialist, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Rahul Kail Rahul makes a comeback. Indeed. So he's back in the team along with uh, Rishabh Pant. Rishabh Pant was already there in New Zealand, right? So he was in the T20 squad, of course. Mm-hmm. And then who else? I think Bumrah will be back. Kohli is also back. Exactly. So we have the full strength, so to speak. Nearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea is, uh, I heard an interview from MSK Prasad where he claimed this is just a rotation. So he pointed out, out how Pant was rested after the test series in Australia so that uh, he gets a break. And then he came back in the T20s in New Zealand and now Karthik has been rested. He did not indicate Karthik's career was over because of this, right? Mm. But when you hear some of the pundits out there, they sort of claim, like Sanjay Mandrekar and other people, they're sort of saying, maybe his career is over, DK's career is over. It would seem a bit harsh if one were to look at it, but one could also understand if that was the way the Indian selectors chose because, you know, this guy Pant brings in something special. He's a left-hander as well. And he's way, only very young, 2021. Yeah. He, he has his whole cricketing career ahead of him. And he's shown enough promise in the longer formats. Right? So, I think it makes sense that they also try it. Um, they try that uh, he's given as many chances as possible. So, that's also a very good point. So, any other surprises you see in this lineup at all? Um, you? Just looking at it... Um... Not a total surprise, but Vijay Shankar was already part of the lineup, so I don't see a problem uh-huh. with that. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think it's basically the full strength team. Indeed. So you're absolutely right. So Rahul making a comeback says the selectors still want him to have a chance to prove, uh, you know, give some chances. And that's, that's, how Pant, that's how Pant and Rahul are in the team, is what the selector, chief selector said. So that's how we'll take it for now. But it, it's just a left a move from the left, let's say. It's not something you are really anticipating, right? DK being left out. Uh, going forward, let's see how it pans out because uh, there are no more one-day matches left for India before the World Cup. So, I think they have either seen enough of DK or they have left him out. We'll have to see when the World Cup squad is announced. right? We'll, we'll go into it in one of the upcoming episodes anyway. Sure. All right. Now, um, if you were to quickly look at uh, BBL, Giri, a quick summary. Yeah, just just to uh, briefly point out, you know, we had the two semi-finals played between uh, Hobart Hurricanes and... Uh, uh, Melbourne uh, Stars uh, and uh, Melbourne Renegades playing the other semi-final against uh, Sydney Sixers. Mm-hmm. Um, both the Melbourne teams won their semi-finals, so it's a Melbourne versus Melbourne, so Stars versus Renegades. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, 
it will for sure be a champion from that city. Uh, the champion will be from that city, Melbourne. Indeed. Yeah. And that will mean there's a new winner also. I think yeah, new winner. Yeah, as opposed to uh, Perth Scorchers or uh, last time was Adelaide Strikers, right? Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So, one other thing, I was reading about this a little bit and uh, the punters put Sixers ahead of Renegades. Mm-hmm. And they are favoring Sixers to win, right? This is just a quick wrap-up. And then... Um, of course, we sort of talked about Netherlands tour of Oman last week, and uh, Netherlands have played two T20s in the quadrangular, the Oman quadrangular, and you yeah. can see that uh, they comfortably won both their matches. They won against Scotland and Oman, and uh, in the second match they knocked Oman out of the tournament. And tomorrow they play their match against Ireland, and this is sort of more or less their place in the final is fixed. So uh, in the next episode, I think we can also talk whether Netherlands have done really well and whether they probably win the tournament. Right? I'm looking forward to this. So yeah. the limited exposure they get, they are able to make use of it. Their performance is good and their preparation looks really nice. So it's very encouraging as a you know Dutch uh, uh, you know team perspective, and it's nice for us to follow this staying here in the Netherlands. So that's just a quick roundup. So if you were to quickly go on, we just have the housekeeping left, Giri. Right. So. Yeah. First of all, I would like to quickly go through the trivia question for this week. We discussed a lot of lot of things about the one-wicket victories, right, in tests. So let's let's make our question about this, right? So in this case, the question, the trivia question for this week is: Who are the only two players to have achieved a victory by one-wicket in tests twice? So I, when we were going through the list, we sort of went through the number of teams that did it twice. So that's a clue. And another clue I can offer is that of these two players. One of the players has done done it twice for his country by leading the charge to victory. The other player was probably a tail ender and he supported this, um, Mm. you know, this player. What I can say is... He's a bystander. Mm. And the thing is, they are not from the same country. They are two separate countries. So, all these are close. So, if you just look at the list, you'll probably already be able to conclude who these two players are. Those are the hints I can offer. So... Once again, thanks a lot, Giri, for your very valuable comments and very lovely anchoring. I think I really, I really like what you did with the first half of the episode today. So good work there. Thanks a lot for that. So I would like to thank our listeners, and I hope they keep listening to our episodes. You can get in touch with us uh, on armchair.cricket at gmail.com or on Twitter at armchaircrickpod. Right, so we still have a lot of lot of cricket coming up in the upcoming weeks. We'll have the final of BBL. We'll have the ongoing tests between South Africa and Sri Lanka, and also the one dayers between on India and Australia. A lot of really lot of cricket. To look forward to. So I hope yeah. you join us uh, for the upcoming episodes. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast.